0: I'm Danielle Laporte, and essentially, this is a one-woman show about self-realization called With Love. Danielle, few quick things to mention. These are adult conversations, so heads up. Also, I record all of these podcasts in my living room, so you will be hearing the natural sounds of what is going on in my neighborhood in East Vancouver. I'll be talking about compassion, self-help fatigue, sex, joy, serving the world. This is about a spirituality that's way more rock and roll than it is oppressive. I'm here to help you turn your anxiety into power. Personally, I want to live more deeply, but lighten up. You're gonna hear about all the ways that I have finally figured out how to do that. I am not into making grand motivational promises, but I can commit to showing up as fully, sincerely, authentically as possible with the intention of, really alleviating suffering and amplifying joy, just for starters. It's about doing everything I can to help all of us feel a little less crazy, a lot more full of possibility, and clearly part of the solution. Hey, hey friends, self-doubt, self-agency, and You ready? Burning your journals. (laughs) This is in two parts. I think this is going to be in two parts. Uh, You may have heard in the intro to this podcast, with Love Danielle, that I record my podcasts in my house. My highly technical super situation is I plug a little tiny microphone into my iPhone and... I record, <laughs> so I'm not in a sound booth anywhere. Why am I telling you that now? Because my new neighbor, John, without an H, J-O-N, I just like to know those things about people, is building a house behind me, and you're going to hear his fabulous crew in the background, maybe possibly. Okay, let's talk about burning stuff. So with the exception of everything that I cling to unrelentingly for dear life, I'm actually really great at letting go. <laughs> Um, and I just very recently burned uh, years—about seven years worth of my journals—and that is how you spell liberation. Uh, I did a journal cremation about yes, there's my Canadian about seven years ago, which was really freeing. I wrote about it then. I learned some things by writing about it then, which I'll I'll tell you what I learned. But this round of burning about six or seven years, good stack, I noticed a slightly disturbing pattern in the pages that I was reading. And I'm happy to say that pattern has now gone up in smoke. So, you know, to set the scene, I'm in my backyard. I have an illegal, I I really like that it's illegal. I have an illegal outdoor fire pit because it just, I love, if you want to burn anything, invite me. I will be there. I love burning shit. I, my heart is on fire, so anytime I can get around other flames. And before I would tear out a page, I did it very slowly and methodically. Of course, by the end, I was getting smoked out, I was just like, oh, it all goes in. Uh, but with each page, I would just sort of skim, skim my history, and I saw the pattern emerged. So I'm, I'm flipping through an entire era you know, seven-ish years of my life. And I was struck by the beautiful, sad, beautifully sad fact that so many of my journals were filled with seeking answers outside of myself. So I wasn't just letting go of my divorce process. I wasn't just letting go of m- many many predictions from clairvoyants, many of whom were really gifted. I wasn't just letting go of countless sessions with a particularly parasitic so-called healer. I wasn't just letting go of pages and pages where I was just pleading for direction, like, give me the answer, what's the answer? In the journal burning, I was saying farewell to self-doubt, to that part of myself that's For so long, no longer happy to say, for so long, looking outside of myself. I was saying goodbye to self-doubt. And if you say goodbye to self-doubt, you are going to say a beautiful goodbye to self-abandonment. You will be letting go of a heap of fear. And that's a fire that I will dance around any day. Farewell, doubt. Farewell, self-abandonment. So many fears. Catch you later. Not going to catch you later. Peace out. Goodbye for good. So this is how it works for me. I had my big stack of the seven years, and I've kept my very recent journals. So I keep about two years' worth of journals at a time. And eventually what I do is I go through each of my books, my journals, um, and I mine each of them for creative notes, for half-written poems, some of which are so bad. Some of which are so good. Um, And then I I extract from those journals, you know, whatever is worthy. And then I weave that into digital folders. And I name them, you know, Vision, Divine, all sorts of cute names that I can never remember. That's why I never can find anything because I give all my file folders like these cosmic names. And then, so after I've I've extracted the gold, then those well-mined journals... They go into a box that is meant to be for a baptism to the fire. So, Lord have mercy. What I can tell you about my current journals is that a new pattern has emerged. So, my therapy sessions still take up a lot of space in my journals. I'm actually not a diarist. It's never like, hey, this is what happened to me today, and this is what I learned. I'm just... When I have a therapy session, I obsessively write insights and and you know all of Anne's great guidance to me. Mostly, what I'm doing when I write so much about a therapy session, it's like really self congratulations for my enlightenment. I am writing how I I am I'm writing to affirm that I have come so far. But also, I'm taking copious notes because they're they're like crib sheets if I head towards, like, coming off the rails. So one page is like, oh, look how far I've come. And then the next page is like, but I thought I'd come so far. Yeah. On the whole, as I've become more whole, my inward writing is more of a set of declarations. There's more of a spine to it, you know? It's less dreamy, uh, which is to say it's less clingy my writing now has more intention. Like this is where I am going. This is what I'm making and less venting, less complaining. And this is really what I see to be the biggest shift that all my inquiry now is directed to my higher self and to the mother. So it's not this sort of grasping at the void for God or a deity to reveal to me how I will get what I want or what my future, my unknowable future, is going to hold for me. It's more of a conversation with, with my soul. And then more specifically, as I've become more whole, I am much more aware of the presence of the Divine Mother and my... My affinity for her, I mean affinity is just such a small word to try and encapsulate what cannot be encapsulated, that I exist because of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. But as, as how I am designed and as my awareness grows, I know that it is the mother who dances through me. That when I dance, when I lead, when I create, when I speak, when I love, when I cook, doesn't happen that often, happens more than it used to, maybe it's because of my relationship with the mother, I cook more, Um, that I am the edge of the divine, that I am how the mother is animating her life today, that it's co-creative. Like, I am this compressed little personality, a soul in this lifetime named Veronica Danielle, La but because of that, because I have free will, I'm on the edge of things. That free will puts me in, the, in a place of, of consciousness, of awareness, where I can bask in the creative flow that's always there, and I get to choose what I do with that. And in that choice, in that act of creativity, co-creativity, I'm God evolving. Yeah. I as in you, as in we are, all that, if you want to buy into that. Um, Back to the baptism of fire and why you should burn your journals. Actually, this this is not a sermon about why you should burn your journals. It's just, this is really about letting go. But I think you should burn your journals. All my inquiry goes to my soul, goes to the mother, in written form, when I take to the page. And the beautiful thing is that they both answer me right away. And I still have a council of members and experts that I turn to. There's always going to be a shrink. I have my gifted psychotherapist. I, I work with an energy healer. I have girlfriends, so many girlfriends, deep girlfriends. I have man friends, deep, loving, somewhat stoic, <laughs> steady, fucking beautiful men in my life, friends. Uh, I have functional medicine keepers. Yeah. They're all, I have a dispensary of love and insight. But the difference now in my life is that these advisors, whether it's one of my best friends or it's a really gifted seer, um, they're by my side now on my counsel. I am not at their feet. I am not pleading. I am not waiting to bust a move until I hear from them. Well, sometimes I'm waiting to, for their input, but we're sitting on the same plane. Yeah, what else is in my journals? Still a lot of revelation. Uh, there's a lot of healing of pain and gratitude between my covers, within my skin, and that's all I need to heed. Really, is is my own revelation, my own heart, my heart as my guide. Let me read you. A beautiful short excerpt from a Jane Hirshfield poem. The poem is called Lake and Maple. I want to give myself utterly as this maple that burned and burned for three days without stenting and then in two more dropped every leaf. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about burning. Like every page of a journal that gets burned is a dropping of a leaf off the tree. Every desire that I let go of, I'm I'm in a new practice right now where at the end of the day, I'm trying to let go of just one more desire, to be more present to what is. The more desires I let go of before sleep, the more I am aware of how much I have. And that's... And on all realms, all levels, how much sanity, how much love in my life, how much good fortune. Yeah. So when I did my first journal fire years ago and I wrote about it, this is what I learned. That people basically, this is an overgeneralization, of course, but they basically fall into two camps. There are archivists and there are burners. So the archivists, some people were just fucking shocked. That they, they, they felt like there was almost this incredulousness about like, you how could you? Well, first of all, they're my journals. Secondly, I, do I, I'm not a memoirist. Thirdly, no one's going to write a book about me ever. Uh, no one's going to make a documentary out of my life. Maybe they could. There could be so many more things I could accomplish. But I'm not, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. It, but here's the thing, the bottom line. It's a very, very personal matter. So to keep or to torch, it's your free will. But I can tell you this, traveling lighter helps me shine brighter. A few things to consider about letting go. And this is, of course, not about just your journals, right? Personally, I am not really interested in the idea of leaving a legacy. Uh, What I've learned over the years is that And I say this without judgment or criticism, the whole legacy conversation, it seems to be like a dude thing. Uh, maybe it's just like a predominantly masculine identification thing. Like you want to build things to last. You want to put your stake in the ground. I'm just, I don't care. I feel like when I die, I die. My ego's gone. Who knows? Maybe I can be of more service from the other side. So I'm, I'm cool with, like, burning any evidence that I was ever here. So if I die tomorrow and I vanish from everyone's memories, fine by me, except for my kid. And even then, he'll have his life to live. I'm here now. Do you want anyone to read your journals when you move on? Huh? Anybody? Memoir writers, you can, like, totally skip this question, but also about letting go of all things past and evidence of all things past. I have tried recapitulation. I have actually, I was really inspired by an essay written by a female shaman about her time spent in a cave recapitulating every single memory of her life. She went back as far, far as she could remember. I can remember being in my crib. I feel like I can remember being born, but who knows? Uh, it doesn't matter. I've tried it. I've gone like, what is the value of recapitulating every relationship, every experience, every meal I had? Yeah, I've tried obsessive, neurotic (laughs) over-attachment and assessing everything as a means to my enlightenment and self-improvement. And funnily enough, I have found for myself, it doesn't seem to work. It doesn't make me a better person. There are plenty of things that I can be sad and sorrowful about in my current life today. I could name 900 things. I could just weep right now. I do not need to go digging up my old material for sorrow. So I've come to the conclusion that reliving pain is actually not that conducive to my joy or my creativity. mm just isn't. And, you know, in a therapeutic context, I feel like what I'm doing is not reliving pain. It's that I'm I'm hovering over something that happened in the past from a new viewpoint, a new lens, a new paradigm. And I am extracting the insight from that. What was the effect of that event? How has that changed the course, directed the course of my life? Where do I want to be now? How can I let this go? Bless and release. Bless and release. Yeah. Okay. Back to the actual, the stuff you keep, like the material stuff, whether it's journals, Or it's the watch she gave you, hey, or it's your mother's chair that you never really love that's in your living room. And every time you walk by it, you think about how much you resent all the things you resent. For me, Clutter Free Living, I love it. It's up there with rainbows and front row seats and answered prayers. So I don't, I'm not a minimalist, but I don't like a lot of stuff. I would rather spend my money on uh, experiences and planting trees and giving shit away. So I think most of us, just going to say general population on the planet, who have the means, most of us are taking up too much space with too much stuff on the planet anyway. I could get into a whole thing about how overconsumption and unchecked materialism really is deeply connected to our lack of self-worth issues, mortal coil, and past lives. But just go listen to my Grace for Impact podcast. That's what it is really all about. My experience the first time I burned stuff was that it pointed out to me my insignificance on the planet. And it felt really incredibly thrilling. Like, if you just consider right now I know all the striving that we all do to feel more important uh, and to to get validation. Just just press pause on that for a second and just consider right now, in the healthiest way, the most illumined way, how insignificant you are. You're just a blank in time. Time is actually an inconceivable concept for the human mind. What? Time? beginning of time, the end of time, eternity, full presence. 20 years after death, anybody that you're not related to going to remember you? Let's push it out. 300 years from your death, are you going to be known? Is your stuff going to be around? Is your house going to be demoed? For the majority of us, the vast majority of us, likely not. Now, we could have a whole conversation about your immeasurable vast, divine, beautiful, complete, inarguable significance that, you know, the blink of your eye is affecting the airway, that you are, you are shifting the course of humanity, that your very presence is a a, a healing vibration to so many around you. But I'm talking about how you really don't matter right now. (laughs) None of us really, really. So I love that feeling. It's it's not, I don't want to hang out there all the time. I prefer to play as if I'm significant and really make it all count. But my experience has been that personal insignificance, even just considering it, is really provocative when I'm making my art. When I feel less important, I actually do better work. Yeah, remembering how insignificant you are might actually help you make a more significant impact you might help you be more daring more honest more here other reasons to let go of all kinds of stuff material and otherwise privacy is a really powerful energy to harness disappearing stuff and i don't mean from just that place where you want to hide stuff you want it to go away i mean from that that courageous place of of Embracing impermanence, embracing impermanence. One of my favorite things about being alive is the fleeting intimacy of events. It's also one of the most difficult things of being alive because you have that intimate moment, whether it's, you know, with your child, like that deep connection or like the cafe lady or lover. And then you want to hold on to it. You want to recreate it. And then it just gets all stale and poison. You're like, why can't I get that again? But you just stay open. You know, it's just me. It's just you. A moment that only you and I shared. And then it's gone. I love it. I love that compression of the sacred and the mundane. The human and the holy. Yeah, that's what Vesica Pisces, that uh, sacred geometry symbol, is all about. That's the ring I wear. I get a lot of questions about that ring. It's two circles joined with a cross in between. That's what that is. Human meets holy. God meets goddess. Heaven meets earth. It's a moment that will never happen twice. So why hold on? Yeah? <laughs> uh, fluid yesterday, fluid tomorrow. I don't, That sounds very zen. You know, and another reason to let go of stuff in all dimensions. History is malleable because memory is subjective. So you change your history by the way you look at it. If you if you look back at something that occurred through the eyes of gratitude, changes the history. If you look through resentment, anger, loss, and all those, it's not about bypassing, all those things may still be alive and true for you. You're gonna see it very differently. And then it'll affects your behavior. There's that. <laughs> and this is the truth Mom. Do not give your past the power to define your future. No matter how deep the impact was, don't give your past the power to define your future. Hey, hey, I know you're devoted. (laughs) And I know that you could use a reminder to tune in. So I'm here to tell you, I hold group visualizations and prayers on social media. They usually happen twice a month. Some sessions, will focus on Mother Earth. We're just pouring our gratitude onto the elements. Other weeks, we tap into that creative energy. Or some weeks, my favorite, we do some inner child healing, work with my love and radiance meditation. All practices are about restoring our nervous systems and increasing group determination. So here's what to do. You need a reminder. I can give you a reminder. Just get on the notification list, and you have a choice. I can email you the night before we're going to have these meditations online, or I can text you, because that's how fancy this is now. So go to daniellaport.com slash devotions. Isn't that a beautiful URL? daniellelaporte.com slash devotions. And what are you going to do? You're going to get on the devotion notification list. And I'm going to tell you to get up and meditate. And we're going to om it out in a live virtual group twice a month, give or take. All right. I'll see you there. All right. But speaking about past, what I have in front of me right now is... The few pages from my last journal burn, from my big stack, it was was almost two feet high, that I tore out and that I kept. I don't, I haven't looked through this stack. So you are now about to witness. This is better than, what is this better? This is better than making out. Um, You're now going to witness. I'm going to try not to censor this. I'm going to see what I cherished enough to save from the fire. Okay, here we go. All right, we have the cover of one journal and in my son's handwriting where he, uh, he, luckily, my son was one of the final grades in our educational system to be taught cursive writing. Cursive writing needs to be integrated into all schools. Uh, The brain works differently when you flow. Besides, I want my son to be able to read writing that happened before 2004. need to write cursively, just printing. We're just creating. You know, teaching kids to only print just further reinforces the the roboticism of what so much of education is. Wow, that's a tangent I wasn't expecting. Anyway, in his beautiful writing with his super jumbo exclamation points, Mom! Fill this book with fantabulous life changing ideas. Huge exclamation point. Cool. And then we have I went through a huge sacred geometry research phase, still so much a part of my life. And my son in 2014 was drawing in my journals these great shapes. Okay, what's next? Oh, (laughs) a sticker. A backstage pass sticker that I got from Anako and Medicine for the People concert in London. And the great story about this the venue is called Coco. And when was this? 2016. So the age for admittance to Coco is 14. So you have to be, I think you have to be 16 or 17 to drink in the UK. You could. Go in if you were 14. Yeah, so my kid was 12, <laughs> and I snuck him in. They asked at the door, how old is he? I said, like, he's 14. Let's go. And I think that's one of my greatest parenting moments, actually. All the things, I have a whole kind of string of pearls of things I snuck my kid into where he was underage. Okay, what's next? Um. This is so personal. It is a card that came with the flower deliveries uh, from my ex-husband. Let's see what this says. Oh, I know why I kept this. I'm going to give this to my son. Danielle, thank you so very much for giving us a beautiful boy. I will always remember the extraordinary day that he came into the world. It is among my most cherished memories to see your love and bravery one year ago. Oh, he must have sent these flowers on our son's birthday. My best memories are of things we've done together. We met, moved in together, got married, loved the day-to-day journey. We move closer together every day. I adore you. Exclamation point. Heart. Exo. Scott. Yeah, it was true then. And I honor it, so it's... Let's just let it be beautiful. A Grateful Dead sticker from a concert I did not go to. How did I get that? Oh, a whole doodle page of logos and names for a company I did not start. It was called Virtuanica. I own that name, by the way, so don't go grab it. Virtuanica is this merging of my true birth name, Veronica, and virtues, and then some kind of, like, tech sound in there, and I wanted to – I was going to start an online publishing company. still might happen. It is still kind of happening in some way. But right now, I'm just focused on my stuff. Whoa. (laughs) Danielle and -and so-and-so. I can't say his name because I can't. Um, And let's read this poem. I can only write you poems of true longing because anything else is too specific for how beyond we will be. Oh, my God. That's such a bad poem. (laughs) Ah, terrible. Why did I say this? Oh, because there's another poem on the back. Here we go. There were mantras I never understood until I chanted them for you. Okay, that's good. That's why I kept this. Oh, I know why I kept this. Okay, so I would give that poem a B+. I kept this because I wrote a poem for Leonard Cohen on the day he died. This is the beginning of it. I think it got much better after this first draft. in the very dark night, you woke me up to tend to my longing. Yes, the name of the poem is called for L Cone in the very dark night you woke me up to tend to my longing. Should I break that down for you and totally blast the mystery? There might be no mystery and this could be a bad poem. Um, this is a combination of in the dark night of my soul, a lot of Leonard's Poetry, especially the stuff he wrote when he was at a Zen monastery at Mount Baldy, really helped me. It really helped me to see his struggle with desire and devotion. It really, if I had to boil down, well, my existential crisis is on that. I'll talk about that some other day. Also, this is like in the dark night, you woke me up and loved me hard. Um, Okay, moving on. Another page of poetry. You left me to be alone. The world, I can't even, you cracked me open, but now we know what needs to be let in. I don't even know what that means. There's more about Leonard Cohen. I won't, I'm not going to, let's just move on. I need to move on. Maybe I should, I'm not going to burn that. Okay. We've got plans for the desire map. The book I am most well known for. Um, we have a big page that just says Canadian women. Oh, God. We've got designs for a magazine that I never started. Uh, it was going to be called Alter, A-L-T-A-R. It's one of the most commonly misspelled words in the New Age community, by the way. You don't put something on your Alter, A-L-T-E-R. <laughs> you alter, A-L-T-E-R, your state of consciousness and reality and the world. But your alter is with an A. Um, it was going to be a magazine slash journal for seekers issue one was oh yes gosh issue one i was going to i was writing an article i did write an article i put it into another book though everything is everything is it gets an escrow and then polished an article on courage an article on vaginoplasty where this is Both horrific and in some cases understandable. This uh, this new trend of women having their vaginas, their labias more specifically, their labias and clitoral hoods um, surgically modified because, you know, did not expect to be going down this path. Part of this is being given rise to with this, what I think is an epidemic of porn, Everybody can see everybody's pussy, and everybody's comparing their vag to somebody else's vag, vages that are waxed and shaved and and surgically altered. And it doesn't matter whether they're waxed or shaved. It's your vagina is your vagina, my love, and mine is mine, and they're as unique and as beautiful as our fingerprints and our lips our other lips, and the color of our eyes. But all this pussy comparison is, is just feeding that perceived hole in everybody's soul. Oh, That could have been a really bad metaphor there. And isn't it awful that women in their 20s are going into plastic surgeons and saying, could you take a couple inches off my labia and just tighten it up? Yeah. And there are cases where there are what most people would deem to be like vaginal deformities. And that is someone's like conscious choice and free will. If you want to have your vag worked on for whatever reason, it's your body. Uh, yeah. So I was also going to write an article about friendship which reminds me of a post I wrote about friendship where I this was an actual moment. I had said to a friend, I love you so much. I Obviously, I'm not going to use names, but I had a friend who thought she had a tampon stuck way in her canal and wasn't quite sure. Something wasn't right. And we were just like, oh, what are we going to do? And she's like, I think it's so far up there. I think what happened is we got really stoned when this is it this is it oh my god we smoked a lot of hash this is when i lived in i can't tell you when i live because it'll it'll connect the dots i lived in a city we smoked a bunch of hash on a halloween weekend and she had sex with one person (laughs) i got it on with another person um and she was so stoned She couldn't remember if she was on her period or not when she had her. Anyway, this is getting really, we're getting into it, but you're here with me. And the next day she's like, I think we may have fucked. And I had a tampon in. And I was like, I love you so much that I I will go fishing for your plug if that's required. It ended up it wasn't. She did her fishing herself and all was well. She had her wits about her to get everything in order before she had really loud sex in the room next to me. Next page, so inappropriate to say. Like, look what's next is uh, a spelling test that I gave to my kid. Plain dolphin care smile sweet mama frost barf green Vancouver. Ah, <laughs> uh, next page. Your true nature is luminous. That's true. That turned into a uh, three feet by two feet high neon light that I had commissioned. We produced five of them. They were done by this brilliant neon artist in Brooklyn. I was like, can you just take this, my scripted handwriting in this saying, your true nature is luminous, and turn it into like a big piece? And he did, and we sold them, and they were like, I think they were $900 U.S., and we made like $50 on each of them. (laughs) That's between shipping and paying the artist. Made no money. But that was fun. And my purpose for money, written in a sparkly orange gel pen. One, rapidly create a lasting empire of hip consciousness products and writing. Inspired beauty and glowing truth. My language has changed, but the intention is still the same. Uh, I think this is from nineteen ninety. Where are we here? Twenty two thousand two ish. Number two. My purpose for money: travel widely, fiercely, far, f- uh, freely, luxuriously with my lover, my son. Oh, so this is post divorce. So this is seven years ago. Um, with my friends and family, create and invest in inclusive, socially responsible ventures. Diversity. Number four, generously and frequently gift family and friends. Five, be a high-level philanthropist. Six, own a beautiful home in Vancouver. Seven, have time and, and space in Santa Fe or elsewhere. Eight, buy a beautiful arch. Nine, foster and nourish and delight. My son, my son's name. And then I just wrote across a page. Quality, beauty, joy, transformation. Um, Stuff to... Do in 2012, garden, get a new bedroom chair, and protective ring. I don't even know what that means. Then I have a whole page for Jesus. Jesus, I trust in you. Then I have an image, Santa Veronica, and then something in Latin. A friend took it for me in the Sistine Chapel. Big script across the page, Courage My Love. Oh, and then a long list from June 2014 of what I wanted in my next home. Big windows, backyard. I wanted a koi pond. I didn't get my koi pond. Is this useful? Is this inspiring? Stay with me. Picture of my now deceased dog. Rilke. God speaks to each of us as he makes us. Then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Oh my God, that's why I love... Renia Maria Rilke. You know why Rilke's middle name is Maria? Because his mother wanted a girl. He actually had a really um, fractious, stressful relationship with his mother. Happy Mother's Day, Mama. Love my kid's name. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a post-it note. Can you see it? It's it's a yellow color, (laughs) two by two. I only use square post-it notes because I have four planets in Virgo. Four or five. And this is a little prayer that I would read at the beginning of every strategy session that I would give to clients. And this is I'm really, um, whenever I have a meeting, whether it's with my own team or like a collaborator now, I always ask that we just create a sacred container, that we set the intention. And sometimes, and I've learned this from my publisher, Sounds True, Sounds True has a ritual where they just do a moment of silence. This is what I would read. We are here now to give witness to a shared truth that absolutely everything is progress, that we have all that we need, that brilliance is unfolding here and now. Yeah, it also set the stage for people to assume that I was gonna be really fucking brilliant in that conversation. (laughs) Maybe I was just like some brain control. Oh God, so much, there's a lot of pain. In the pages that I kept, here are some truth bombs for us. Focus on the wisdom of your mind, not on your suffering. The heart is always in its entirety. I don't even know what that means. By working with the heart, we are working in the entire body of manifestation. That is true. Your heart is your brain. Also true. Then, in huge letters across one page no negotiating. I can't get into what that was about, but oh God. These are notes from a session. It was more than a session. It was a three day workshop that I took with Lama Mark. And I asked him a question about Buddha nature and desire. This actually worked its way into a lot of writing I did in both the desire map and my last book, White Hot Truth. And then some of my last ebook called Grace for Impact. How's that for a fluid sales pitch? Um, the absence of clinging is freedom. Be suspicious of the stuff that comes and goes. What you're looking for is the natural abiding. Mm. My next question to him What stands in the way of my Buddha nature? Fuck, that was deep uh delusion and suffering this is his answer delusion and suffering me the construct of a me in quotes that i cling to and then i go on to say to myself i cling to protecting my heart i cling to being changed by anything that i perceive to be threatening i cling to all of the constructs that's taken me years and lifetimes over and over to whatever, I can't read my writing. What constructs do you cling to? I don't think I got an answer to this, but I asked, what is the root cause of selfishness? So good. Uh, Also, before I move on, because this is all I got in the journal, Lama Mark saying, a high degree of rigidity can also reflect a high degree of neuroticism. Well, yeah. (laughs) I'm that wise. I knew that. Oh. I never wrote about this, but the noble eightfold path to have the right view, intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Yes. Marianne Woodman quote, The goddess is the body waking up to light. Oh. The goddess is the body waking up to light. Another one from Marianne. Tears are the way the goddess enters us through our wounds. I know some of you are grabbing your pens right now, that's so good. Tears are the way the goddess enters us through our wounds. And then a note to myself. So whenever I make a note to myself about something that I want to write, I just write a little W with a circle around it and I know when I go back through my journals, I'm going to pull that out as an idea that I'm then going to type into my phone. That'll then become something you, you read. Uh, note to myself to write, why I hate vision boards. <laughs> oh, Note to myself to write, what am I inviting people to? What is the new story? Oh, dear. We have just come across another poem. Okay, I'm just going to read it first. Run, this could be bad. In your gaze, I bloom. Okay, so far, so good. In your gaze, I bloom. I can sleep through the night, protected by your understanding. I'm liking this. Finding you again brings on the summer of my heart. In your gaze, I bloom. Hey, hey, I know who that was about. <sighs> that one ravaged me in the way you don't want to be ravaged oh yes oh okay stay with me this is a separate poem i will drop this into this podcast here we go i don't know if i finish this i'm going to finish this for you all right the man asked me why are you traveling alone the year i walked in circles the man asked me why are you traveling alone like this on this labyrinth And the Minotaur came up to me, wanting to challenge my beauty, but I knew that I was alone. The year I had my bones broken and reset, the man asked me, Why are you traveling alone like this? And I said, I'm healing. This is how it's done. I am healing. This is how it's done. And I thought that was true, but what was really happening? was i was being punished that poem doesn't make sense i'm going to finish oh there's another concert sticker hollywood bowl 2015 backstage pass michael fronty oh family tree i'm glad i found that wow this is why you don't burn everything oh wow baby announcement calls so before we could just group text everybody and cuz i'm so neurotically organized I made a list for my then-husband of everybody to call when the baby came. (laughs) And everybody got called. Ooh, product idea. Lots of product ideas. A fire starter sessions deck. Decided not to do that. All right, so whether you're a burner or an archivist, whether you're going to let go, or you're going to hold something close, something material or a memory, the tangible or the ephemeral. Either way, may what you choose to let go or hold on to be full of self-agenting revelation. May whatever you choose to hold on to or let go of be an act of healing pain and just soaked with gratitude. And just knowing that all you ever need to heed is your own heart, your heart as your guide. All right, one last random page from the things that I saved from the fire. Isn't that a book? Is that a movie? I don't know, but it's my journals. Um, God, I hope this. I hope we end on a high note here. Saturday, 10 a.m., July 5th, 2010. What do I need to trust? Write about confidence versus blind faith. I did, I wrote a whole piece about it. Do what you say you're going to do. Someone is praying for you. I woke up this morning, still foggy, in the filter of sleep. And I experienced calm, loneliness, self-criticism that ever-present self-criticism. Underneath that is a fear of the new, but the new is where life is. If prayer is longing, then what is purity? I will say a prayer for my longing for what is to be new. Mm. Ah, Some things to the flame, up in smoke. And some things still held closely. Either way, my heart on fire. With love, Danielle. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word. With love.